Hello, everybody. My name is Max. This is Max Sports. We're on episode 166 already. Bet you can't count that with all your fingers. Um, we have to recap Monday Night Football. Then it's our college-filled episode. I'm going to recap the Raiders-Packers game that took place last night, give you a rundown of how my picks took place. We have to talk about some big injuries that took place this past week as well that have just come out. After that, we're going to jump over to college football, see the biggest ups, uh, upcoming games, talk about some programs that are maybe a little disappointing. Let's talk about some teams that might be surprising. And obviously, we got to talk about the top 10 matchup this week between Oregon and Washington, two future Big Ten programs, I might add. Let's get this episode started off right. There was a game that took place this past Monday night. The Packers and the Raiders had a showdown that was kind of lackluster. But you know what? It was still a win for the Raiders, and it was a maybe a momentum swinger. They are no longer last place in their division. For the Packers, they lost 13-17 to to the Las Vegas Raiders. And if there's one thing I had to look at, it had to be the turnovers. They copied their favorite division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, in this one, just giving the ball to the other team like the Vikings have been doing all season. Jordan Love has not had a great completion percentage so far in his career. Now, part of it is sometimes he throws the ball away. I understand that. Don't take the sack. Throw the ball away. But 16 for 30 is barely over 50%. That is very, very low for the league average. At one point in time, going into their matchup last week against the Lions, he was only ahead of Joe Burrow and Zach Wilson. And uh, Joe Burrow had been severely struggling and a little gimpy with an injury, and Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson. So this was not a good uh, start completion percentage-wise. He was able to get touchdowns. He was able to throw the deep ball well. And I'll admit, he still I still think that there is potential with him. So, again, it's going to be rough patches. I said this. Packer fans, don't give up on this dude. Because, you know, it's his first year starting. I understand he sat for years, but this is going to be his first year. It's going to be a rough patch. Aaron Rodgers had a rough patch to start his career when he started. So, again, we're going to have to be patient with it. This is a game I thought they should be able to win, though. Yeah, it is on the road. Yeah, it is prime time, but this team is starting to get more healthy. Christian Watson's fully healthy and back. Uh, I mean, I just thought that this team was going to be able to do it despite the injuries, and you could tell they needed their defense to get healthy again because anytime they needed to stop, they always seemed to give up. Kind of just like a 50-50 ball play to Jacoby Myers thrown by Jimmy G every time. Jordan Love really struggled in this one, and I don't think Garoppolo played much better, but he played better than three turnovers and not even 200 yards passing. Josh Jacobs, is he finally back? 20 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Nice. He's finally doing something. I have him on my fantasy team, and uh, I was expecting him to kind of have a season like his previous one. He has yet to really have a monster rushing game. Uh this, this was okay, though, for, for a team trying to run the ball. But again, for the guy that was playing on a franchise tag and led the league in rushing last year, it has not been an ideal start for him. And then Jacoby Myers had a great performance, 75 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams did not do much in this game. He might as well have been playing for the Packers because he looked as bad as them. And they just didn't really target him much in this one. 
What does it mean for these teams moving forward, though? Let's talk about the NFC North standings first. Green Bay now falls to two and three. That puts them two and a half games behind Detroit. It also means that they are now 500 exactly when it comes to points scored versus points given up. So I I think this is just going to be kind of an average team. There are some days where the youth movement plays better than what's expected. And they go, wow, see this young future? Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Jordan Love. The young offense is booming. Luke Musgrave. And then there's going to be days where there's drops, turnovers, bad plays. And that's what we got in this one here. Now, do I think the Raiders are amazing by any means? No. But as of right now with this win, they have jumped to third place in their division at 2-3. and three. This is my big concern, though, for the Raiders and why I don't think that this is going to be for long. Yes, they have beaten Denver. Yes, they also have another game lead over Denver. They have only scored 80 points this year. But I'm, I'm rounding it up. They've only scored 79 points this year. That is not good at all. All of the other teams in this division have over 100 points. The only teams that have scored less than them are the New England Patriots, the Cleveland Browns, and that's it. Oh, and the New York Giants. So the Giants, the Browns, and the Patriots. Those are the only teams that have scored fewer points than them on the season. Everyone else has the same or more. That is a terrible look. Like, you are tied with the Steelers on offense, and everybody wants to shoot Matt Canada into the Atlantic Ocean in Pittsburgh. He's a terrible offensive coordinator. So, when it comes to it, I look at offensive struggles from this team. You have Devontae Adams. You have, you know, you have supposedly a great team. Josh Jacobs. Jimmy Garoppolo is an experienced quarterback. On You know, Jacoby Myers has been very good for this team. But why are they unable to score points? They settled for a lot of field goals in this one. They settled for one, um, and then they stalled out some drives. Two missed field goals. So they settled for field goals. They could have had as many as 24 points on the board, but they're missing kicks. One of them got tipped, and they stalled out drives. Their second drive was from a Jordan Love interception, a turnover, and they had it on the, on the other side of the field in enemy territory, and they just turned it over. Uh, not turned it over, but they did nothing and they they settled for a field goal. So when it comes to this one, they played everything they needed to win, but I think the offense is going to hold back this team moving forward. The defense has been fairly impressive, though. They had a good performance shutting down the Packers. Look at that game ceiling interception that took place. Um, Christian Watson is six foot four, and the corner that was on him was five foot nine. And one of them looked like they really wanted the ball more than the other one. If you didn't see the ending clip last night, um, definitely find it. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere or social media. X, maybe. But check it out. And honestly, it was a very impressive interception. Very rarely do I see coverage corners actually try and play the ball when they have it. And this guy jumped up, turned around, snagged that ball, and, and sealed the fate of the Packers last night. So congratulations on the Raiders. You are 2-3. and three. If that's something that you really thought would be good, honestly, I didn't have high of expectations for this Raiders team this year. We got an ugly one next week between these teams, or between uh, the Raiders and the Patriots, though, that I'm not excited to call a game for a pick. So I don't want to pick either of those teams, but someone's got to do it. We'll move to our picks in just a second, then we're going to get ready for our college football episode. 
All right, it's time to see how the picks ended up, and um, no, they were not good. I went 500 in this one, so I'm the equivalent of like the Washington Commanders every year. Speaking of that, I picked them to beat the Chicago Bears in Thursday Night Football last week. Eh, bad. I picked the uh, Bills to beat the Jaguars in London Town. Eh, how about the Texans to beat the Falcons? And once again, like it, I just had so many losses. How about the Steelers? The worst offense in football, people have been saying. All you have to do is beat the worst offense in football. You just have to outscore them, Baltimore Ravens. And how about the Arizona Cardinals? I finally pick you to win a game. The the Cincinnati Bengals, they're injured. They're they're disgruntled. They're not having fun. You're at home. And hey, Sean Payton, how about your chance to prove yourself against your former coach, Nathaniel Hackett, that ran the Denver Broncos? You you fixed Russell Wilson. You're trying to show that it's a good job. You're fixing him. You're winning games. You're at home against the Jets without a backup or with a backup quarterback. Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? And so I, I it's just awful. And then we got the cheese heads uh, that blew it last night. So this was just awful. It was awful. Seven losses. I mean, it was it was awful. I had all of the easy picks. I got all the easy picks right. I got Detroit right. Um, I guess Indy was a tough one because forty eight percent of the people picked the Colts or the the Titans. Uh, the Dolphins that was a pretty easy lock. The Saints were a lock in my eyes. I mean, the Patriots are just terrible now. Eagles were a lock in my eyes. Um, Chiefs another one. Niners were a lock. Like. I I missed a lot of ones that I thought that that I thought had potential and we we just got them all wrong. So this upcoming week we're gonna have a whole nother slate of games. I will give you my picks going into this next week on Thursday. I always do that because that's as long as I can wait to do those picks before Thursday night football locks in. So I will do my picks on there. We have some good matchups. The Patriots and the Raiders. I know what you're thinking. That sounds awful. It will be, but we still have to pick that game. How about the 49ers and the Browns? Maybe two of the best defenses in football. That could be a pretty fun one. Maybe if the Browns defense can slow down the Brock Purdy hype train, maybe, just maybe, we'll have a close game that stays within 10 points. That includes the San Francisco 49ers on it. And then we have the Seahawks and the Bengals. Can the Bengals rebound and bounce back and kind of get on a hot streak now and start looking like the playoff team that we're expecting? All that and more we will have to find out next week on Thursday. So you're going to have to wait a couple days, but I promise you I'm here and I will get you some picks that most likely won't work. So we're going to head over to college football now in our next segment. We obviously have to talk about the biggest games that took place because I didn't have a chance to talk about those yet. We can maybe jump through the rankings real quick and look at some of the highlight matchups coming this week. All right, it's the time everyone's been waiting for. It's college football time. Man, were there some good games last week. The Red River rivalry has to take place, though, is the first thing we talk about. That probably was the best football game I've seen all year. Between Texas and Oklahoma, lead changes, you know, crazy plays, explosive plays. It was amazing. Oklahoma upsets Texas in the heated rivalry 34-30 with a touchdown in the fourth quarter to take the lead with just seconds on the clock left. Very impressive by Oklahoma. For Texas, this is backbreaking. Everyone said Texas was back. They beat Bama. They finally got some big wins on their plate and they took a loss. Now, 
their season is not over yet. You lost to your heated rival, who's now in the top five. So you've lost to a top five team, and you have a chance to beat them again in the Big 12 championship. So a one-loss Texas team with a win over Oklahoma in revenge and a win over Alabama, that's a playoff team. I don't care what you say, and the brand alone will get it get them in there. Um, some other games that I thought were really impressive. Arizona's performance against USC, they came up short. Man, everybody, everybody is trying to defeat USC, and they it's just getting closer every single week. At one point in time, it was a one-score game against Arizona State. Then Colorado comes back and makes it closer. And then Arizona takes them to overtime and almost beats them. So it, it's happening. Someday now, this fraudulent USC team is going to be beaten. When I say fraudulent, I do not mean number one overall pick Caleb Williams, the quarterback for USC. I mean this defense. They are giving up tons and tons of points to teams that just are not that good. If we look at the USC Trojans on the season, I said it after week one, they gave up 28 points to San Jose State at home. Four touchdowns. Again, you could say some were garbage time. I don't really want to hear it because then you gave up 28 points to Arizona State. That was a one-score game at one point in time in the second half. Not a good look. Then you gave up 41 to Colorado. And then you gave up 41 to Arizona. So at this rate, they just have to average 50 points a game to make sure that they can't get upset. And that's not going to work when Cam Rising comes back and they play Utah. They play Notre Dame this weekend on the road. They still have Washington and Oregon and UCLA. Do you really think that USC is going to win all of those games? Do you really think that? Even the biggest USC fan has to be a little worried about the ending of that schedule. It looks like a gauntlet. And I don't think that they're going to be able to get out there. Even a potential trap game against Cal. Like Cal isn't great. They're, they're three and three on the year, but a road game could be a night game. And let's be honest, Cal is better than Arizona state. So again, not a good look for USC bottom line. If they win out, they are going to be a playoff team though, but they, cause they'd, they'd have to beat Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, all three playoff contenders there. Utah, you could still say is a playoff contender at only one loss. They could bounce back and, you know, a ranked win like that against USC could push them back into the playoff talk. And then you got Notre Dame, who I think they might have a little bit of a bitter taste in their mouth because they got eliminated from the playoffs last week to Louisville. They're back in their home stadium, the only place they can win football games, and they will be hosting the Tro Trojans this upcoming week. So keep an eye on that being a big matchup. It's a night game as well, so maybe this is where USC finally slips up this year. Other things I wanted to talk about, Notre Dame. Oh, it does not make me feel bad to watch Notre Dame lose. I mean, the the entire time we were watching this game, Louisville was just starting to take away the lead, take, you know, extend the lead, score more, control the game more. And I'm so tired of how these announcers were talking about, the, you know, the brand of Notre Dame. It's not just a big win for Louisville. It's that team over there, the Fighting Irish, those chrome helmets, like, Dude, do you have a crush on them? Or were they your alma mater? What is it? Like, why are you talking about this team so much? Yes, they were ranked 10 in the nation. They already had a loss. They lost to Ohio State. And I'm sorry, again, any Notre Dame fan that thinks that they were going to be making the playoff this year with one loss. No. Ohio State looks terrible. I understand they're ranked third in the nation. 
they're not going to beat Michigan. And so how is a team that isn't going to make the playoff in Ohio State going to let a team like Notre Dame into the playoff? You lost to them, and they're not going to make it. So how are you going to make it? Do the math, guys. But they're still trying to keep their false hope alive in this match against Louisville on the road. Except it didn't stand a chance. Sam Hartman took a brutal loss in this one, throwing three interceptions. He was supposed to be the guy to come in here and get them into the playoff run this year. And I will admit, he's been a better quarterback than they've had for the last couple of years. But he is not it. He is not going to be the guy that gets him over the hump. Here's my question for you. And I think this is what's holding Notre Dame back at times. They're a solid program. Solid as in eight to nine wins a season, I think are a decent expectation for them. If they end up having a very soft schedule because they have no conference championship game to lose against a tough opponent, maybe they sneak into the playoff every once in a while and then they get beheaded on national TV by Georgia or Alabama like they have been for the last decade. The thing with Notre Dame, though, I think high-end talent usually wins in college football. USC has an elite quarterback. Or how about Ohio State? They've put quarterbacks in the league for years now. Michigan always seems to put defensive and offensive linemen in the NFL. Georgia, they are running back university. I swear any running back that goes there ends up becoming amazing. You know, Nick Chubb was an absolute beast in Georgia. Same thing with Alabama. They've been putting quarterbacks in the league back-to-back-to-back eras now. Mac Jones, Tua, and, you know, Jalen Hurts, Bryce Young, they had so many. So bottom line, what I'm getting at is think of Notre Dame. What was the last big Notre Dame quarterback that was that was a first-round draft pick, that was a franchise guy, that did something in the NFL, not just was a name in college and got drafted, but did something? Name What was the last, like, number one wide receiver option, like the, the elite wide receiver? Name the last elite running back, the first round, you know, players. What first round skill position has Notre Dame developed in a decade? Outside of, you know, the offensive line, I understand Notre Dame offensive line and tight end, they always seem to make good ones. There's like 10 Notre Dame tight ends in in the NFL. But I'm talking about receivers and I'm talking about quarterbacks, arguably the two most important things in a modern offense nowadays. If they can't recruit those guys to get there, and develop them into NFL players, they're not going to beat teams that have that. Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., he'll probably be the second overall pick in the draft. Kyle McCord, I don't even think was good. If they had C.J. Stroud, the game would have been over at halftime. So at the end of the day, when we're all looking at Notre Dame, if they want to be talked about as a serious, serious championship contender, a real national championship contender because there is a difference between people that have made the playoff and won a playoff game trust me my michigan state spartans did that we made the playoff one year i think it was the second year of the college football playoff and then it was 33 nothing i believe to the to the alabama crimson tide it was a generational defeat that crippled our program and it was never the same again notre dame needs to do that they need to get NFL-level skill positions on their team. They need to find a way to recruit them. I understand it's a cold-weather state. You know what? Real programs that lift up national championships, like Ohio State, do that. So you need to find a way to as well if you want that credit to your name. All right, we'll end the Notre Dame rant for today. Um, We'll keep going because there were some other big games I really wanted to talk about. UCLA and the young quarterback Dante Moore, Detroit native. 
helped lead an upset over Washington State last weekend. Very impressive. He did throw two interceptions, but I'm telling you, I do like this kid, Dante Moore. He was out of Detroit. I really wanted Michigan State to to land him and get him as a recruit because I thought he'd just be an absolute stud. UCLA looks like a decent threat to USC this year and could maybe knock him off in an upset. Keep an eye on that one. As for Washington State, that's got to be a backbreaker. I mean, they rank 13th in the nation. The big thing that I think Washington State could do now is just try and pull some upsets. You don't play USC this year. Oregon and Washington are on the road, but other than that, Colorado, Cal, Stanford, Arizona State, and Arizona, those are all winnable games. I think I see Washington State probably going 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three to end the season. Um, but, again, I think this has been a solid team this year. Cam Ward, I'm telling you, I love this dude at quarterback. I think he's very, very talented. We have to talk about this game, though. The most disrespectful thing I have ever seen in college football, and it backfired on them, and it bit them in the ass, and I'm happy for it. Miami. You didn't think that I'd forget about talking about you, would I? So, for those who have not seen the viral clip, the Miami Hurricanes, once a well-known powerhouse in football, now more of just a mediocre brand that gets ranked because of marketing. Um, they come into this game against Georgia Tech, hosting them at 17 uh, in the nation. They're, they're undefeated. They're 4-0. They really haven't played anybody big uh, except Texas A&M, who I think are frauds to begin with. But bottom line, uh, this was a game that Miami was supposed to absolutely boat race Georgia Tech in. And it looked like that was going to be the case for a while. They were in decent control of the game. It was a low-scoring affair. They were up 10-0 in the third quarter. They start to lose their lead, though. And at one point, they are down 17-10. to They score. They make a comeback. They score some points. They get seven. They get it up to 17-20. to So not only do they take the lead, uh, or they get the tie, but they also take the lead. So what happened, though? What seemed to happen? Because they were in control of the game. With a minute left, it's almost like they just needed to run the clock out or maybe take a knee? Yep. Instead of just taking a knee and showing some class, taking a knee just runs the clock out. When you have the lead, that's what you do. You set up in formation. You take the ball. You take the knee. And the clock runs out. That is it. The game is over. You don't have to play again. You've won. It's over. Again, there is nothing that can stop the other team if you do this play. Nothing that can stop this team from winning if you take the knee. They decide to run the ball arrogantly. They run the ball for about a three-yard gain. And on the way down, their running back fumbled it to Georgia Tech. Yes, with a couple with a couple seconds to go, a couple minutes on the clock. Uh, yeah, they fumbled it and gave the ball to Georgia Tech. What does Georgia Tech seem to do with this ball? They go right down the field and score a touchdown, leaving one second left on the clock. Yes, Miami's arrogance and, and stupidity caused them to lose this game. They already had four turnovers before this fumble late in the game. You would have thought after four turnovers, just taking a knee and escaping would be your mindset in this game against Georgia Tech, a team that you should easily have beaten. They only had two wins coming into this game. And nope, you decide to get smart and to get cute. And we're going to keep running the ball. We're going to run this score up on them. I'm so happy 
Screw Miami. This is exactly why you've been nothing for 30 years. Miami are just the more flamboyant Notre Dame. They haven't been anything in 20 years, and they still act like they're a powerhouse. Powerhouse at what? Getting beat by fraudulent teams in Georgia Tech? Congrats. You're now fifth place in the ACC because of this little screw-up. Yes, you are behind Boston College, Virginia Tech. These are teams you are behind now. Your chances of the ACC championship are also most likely over because that was a game you couldn't afford to slip up. You still have to play Clemson this year. You still have to play Clemson and Florida State, and I can guarantee you're not winning both of those games. And you play Louisville, who's ranked higher than you. So you know what? Your season's over. Congrats. Let's give them a little round of applause. Woo! Yay! You idiots. And I'm so glad this team lost because how arrogant of a play. They would not, they do not deserve to win that game, especially trying to do some crap like that. And the funny thing about it was Georgia Tech tried to go for two points. They said, no, screw you. You you think that you can uh, do that to us? We'll, we'll try and do the same thing to you. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Screw Miami. They didn't deserve to win. Their season's over. And man, I ain't shedding a tear. So that is where I'm at with the Miami Hurricanes. That had to be the biggest fumble of the season. Just like an overall team fumble. Just absolute stupidity. And it couldn't have happened to a more deserving program. Other games that I really wanted to highlight. LSU-Missouri. This was an absolute shootout. Apparently, LSU only plays one side of the ball. They could honestly play in the Pac-12 with how they play. LSU is just a turnover, or not a turnover machine. When it comes to defense, they're a revolving door. They let anybody score that they want. Uh, And Missouri got out to a huge lead at one point, uh, leading at halftime as well. I picked Missouri to win this game because I thought they were going to get off to that hot start. Unfortunately, the defense actually woke up, though, for LSU. And that caused problems for Missouri. They were unable to get stops when they needed. They were unable to stop points when they needed. And unfortunately, they just couldn't keep up with LSU. In the fourth quarter, LSU scores 22 points to Missouri's seven. And that's unfortunately what cost it. There is one player in this country that I really do like, though. And it's it's the receiver from Missouri, Luther Burden III. This guy has NFL potential written all over him. He was a high recruit that had opportunities to play at, you know, Georgia's of the world, Bama's, Clemson's, Florida's, and he decided to go to Missouri. I absolutely love how how this guy plays football. Very, very skilled. I will also say the one thing that sealed this game for Missouri was a late game interception to one of my favorite named players in all of college, Major Burns. Yes, Major Burns got a pick six to end the game and beat Missouri. Overall, what a great performance. This was actually a really fun game. I got to got to watch the majority of the weekend. I thought it was a great, great game. Well, that's kind of all I really wanted to recap before we jump into the rankings. Yes, there was another ranked game between Kentucky and Georgia. Very one-sided affair. Georgia looked like Georgia in this one, which is something that hasn't really been able able to be said the last couple weeks. If we look at the updated rankings amongst the country, we have a couple teams moving up. We have a couple teams moving way down. 
to start things off, Ohio State moves up one after beating Maryland pretty handily. It wasn't looking pretty at first, but they were able to force turnovers and get a comfortable win. Florida State moves into the top four. Oklahoma moves into the top five, moving up seven spots. Penn State stays firmly at six. They were on a bye week, I believe. Um, Washington, Oregon also on bye weeks. They face each other this next week, so the winner of that game could be in the top four this upcoming week. Texas falls to number nine, USC to number 10. Just outside the top 10, we have Alabama, North Carolina, Ole Miss, and Louisville, who got their big win over Notre Dame. So some of the teams I really wanted to mention in here, congrats to Miami. You somehow are still ranked. I don't believe that should be the case at all. Um, At 25, Miami still has their ranking in the AP poll. Personally, I'd give that to Missouri, a hard-fought ranked loss to LSU. I think that that deserves more. That was their first loss of the season. I think that that's more worthy than Miami literally just screwing themselves in a game and losing. Honestly, I feel like they should be out of the rankings for that. Other things that I wanted to share, there are teams sharing the number 19 ranking for some reason. Washington State and Tennessee got the exact same amount of votes. (laughs) So they are both number 19. That's just kind of dumb if you ask me, but um, some of the highest risers we have to, of course, say Oklahoma and Louisville. The uh, next ones that rose high enough would be Ole Miss. They rose three and Tennessee rose three spots. So um, things I want to say, yeah, we have a top 10 matchup this upcoming week between Washington and Oregon. The Pac-12 still has a ton of teams ranked in the in the top 25 washington state ucla utah oregon state uh usc oregon and washington i think they have the most ranked teams out of any power five conference right now isn't it ironic how that was deemed like a weak conference and how they they weren't good and they're all going to dissolve because they couldn't make money and now they're the best conference in football this year it is kind of funny uh i'm not saying best as like they're the favorite to win the natty I'd say they have the most dogs in this fight, and I also will say that they have uh, probably the most balanced pack. It's a very deep um, conference. Like I, I think for me, the, the Big Ten is kind of rough this year. You have your top three, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Outside of that, everyone else is kind of a joke in my eyes. Um, again, the SEC, they have Kentucky, who's okay. Uh, they'll be a top 25-ish program this year. Um, Ole Miss is, again, a solid program as well. Other than that, Tennessee, eh, LSU, eh. It's, it's kind of just the Bama and Georgia train right now. So all cool things to keep an eye on. Um, one thing I really wanted to say, again, we have a lot of parity. If you look at recent years, Florida State's, Oklahoma's, uh, Washington, Oregon, these are teams that have not always been up there at the top or had a chance to make the playoffs. I would love to see some of these schools that haven't made the college football playoff yet make it. So I'm talking about Penn state. I'm talking about uh, maybe Texas. Um, The the interesting thing is even though there is some parity, most of these teams up here have made the playoff before Um, outside of Penn state and Texas uh, and USC, everyone else in the top 10 has made it at least once before or Oregon went to the, in the first one and went to the national championship game and, and then you have um, uh, Penn State, or and then Washington made it a couple years later. Florida State went in the first um, college football playoff. Ohio State won the first football playoff. Um, Michigan went last the last two years. Georgia's won the last two chips. And Oklahoma made it a handful of times under Lincoln Riley. So, yeah, the, there is some parity. 
But I will say I would like to see some teams that haven't always made it, so it's not a consistent guarantee. Maybe see Penn State make it. Maybe see Washington or Oregon or, again, Texas. I'd love to see any of that happen. So that'll be the end of our college football episode. My name is Max. This has been Max Sports. Hopefully you liked it. We're going to be doing picks on Friday for college games, picks on Thursday for NFL games, and then I got my amazing power rankings that I always do for my NFL teams. It'll be interesting. Who will I put in the top 14 this upcoming episode? It'll be tough. Um, Final things I wanted to share because I missed it in the first segment of the NFL area. We have a couple NFL injuries. Justin Jefferson to injury report. IR out four weeks. Ouch. Um, for the Finns, Devon Echain. No, I just had it. I have been practicing this damn name. Ugh. Devine, Devon Achan. There we go. Achan. My goodness. Devon Achan. Um, I've heard a couple people say it differently, but I've been really trying to practice it. I, it's just when I read the the name, that's what comes up. So Devon Achan. Um, he is going to be out multiple weeks. Unfortunate for the rookie running back that has been lighting it up for the Dolphins. Um, Leighton Vander Esch, a solid linebacker for the um, Cowboys. He is going to be out four to six weeks. Matt Milano, their defensive t- uh, linebacker for the Bills sidelined indefinitely a huge loss especially after they lost trey white uh a week ago so this is um a a really tough week for some teams losing a lot of big players to injuries all those guys are starters or pro bowl level players it'll be interesting to see what happens to these teams without them for the defense of the bills i'm really concerned we'll have to see how this affects how these teams play and how they win in upcoming weeks um, I can't wait to do these power rankings with you uh, tomorrow. So stay tuned for that if you're someone that likes rankings, seeing who's hot and who's not in the NFL. My name is Max. This has been the end of Max Sports. I will see you all tomorrow for the power rankings. Adios, everybody.